Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. This show is intended for information purposes only, but we're not experts. We're just two guys within the Bitcoin community. Bitcoin is an experiment in the separation of money and state. You'll be surprised how many will support that. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. I am your first host, Marcello. I'm your second host, D. And this is Corey. And uh, on the second episode, I told you guys we were on iTunes, and now we are on Stitcher. And with Stitcher, you can stream the latest in entertainment radio anywhere on demand. It is the easiest way to discover the best of over 40,000 radio shows, including us. And uh, now it's available on iPad iPhone, Android, Kindle Fire, all that good stuff. So we are available everywhere. And today's episode is a it's a delicate one where we dive into gender equality, but it's not we're not gonna be talking about men making more than women in the workforce. We're gonna mainly identify why females aren't early adopters in the Bitcoin world. So guys, true or false, the Bitcoin community, and by community I mean developers, executives, venture capitalists who work in and engage with and support the decentralized technology and the digital currency, would you say there's a diversity problem? Yes. Mm, I'm still on the fence here. Well, tell us why you're on the fence. Don't you have a theory, something about like population size isn't accurate enough or big enough? That's pretty much the gist of it. I just don't feel that the amount of people who are who we're talking about <laughs> there's not enough babies in bitcoin right you just have to edit this and then all right Corey, start again sorry apologies no problem so i just don't feel that the the sheer number of people that we're talking about is large enough to have good statistics on the number of women in bitcoin when you look at the people we're talking about in the finance world you have large amounts of numbers so you can talk about percentages and statistics there, but it's just not large enough yet for Bitcoin to be to have these type of you know to talk about these things and have a meaningful conversation. Very yes, true. I will say that it is skewed for men and early adopters, and I'd say that it's also skewed for the the technology community the nerds out there the early 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 adopters were essentially it bitcoin was geek money money for geeks until it, it became more mainstream and the geek money and geeks are notoriously you know pale skinny white dudes or you know just just your your stereotype you're calling yourself out Corey. i am and i was <laughs> I, if i would have heard about it Years ago, I would have been to it years ago, but I just, I don't, I don't feel like it's that big of a deal right now, or the number or the population size is large enough for us to make meaning, meaningful conversation on well, whether or not. I think yes and no. I mean, problem. there's some statistics, like I was reading um, recently, Coindesk um, released an article. Uh, they released it on June 10th, and it said, uh, it was basically a report. Uh, who really uses Bitcoin? And I didn't 
pay the $99 for the report. Hell no. But I did read the like bullet points in the article. And I saw something that said a year ago, um, women only made up 5.2% of the population of Bitcoin. And now make up at most 10%. So, I mean, if you can round that up, that's a double in one year. Well, in uh, Nathaniel Popper's new Bitcoin book, he cited a 2013 survey of a thousand people that 96% of the community was male. Um, so I, I guess it's bumped up quite a bit in two years. Yeah, that's double, man. All right. So when you, when you hear these things, one thousand people is a small, small amount. Two, what are you? What what community are you surveying with these thousand people? Is it? Are you surveying an equal amount of women and and men? Are you mostly surveying a community that's mostly men in the first place? So you're not going to get that many women. So when you do a survey of a thousand, how do you make it as fair as possible? I don't know. Survey an equal amount of women, women and men, or a population where a certain population where you're going to have an equal pop, like an equal difference of people, not like we service this small community who happens to mostly be men anyway. So you're going to get a skewed answer when you look at the statistics. And even that, even that Bitcoin or that CoinDesk article points out that um, it's, it's not, it, the survey was mostly biased towards America because the, pe- the people who answered the survey were Americans or Europeans. Yeah, I got the numbers. And, yeah. 49.85% North America. Second place is 32.99%. Mm-hmm. Um, third, Asia, 9.36. And numbers, numbers, numbers. But Corey is right. It's mostly North America that is the reigning champ of answering surveys. And it's, it's, well, Coindesk sent out the survey to people who use Coindesk and people in other, you know, people who don't use that won't be represented in that population or in that survey. And that's going to be a large, a large community of Bitcoin users in general. They so, just don't have to use that service. So it's, it's hard to, I mean, you can take something away from it, but I wouldn't put all your eggs in that basket. I mean, there's well, still something outside of it. I mean, let's, and then let's get a little bit more current because we're talking about surveys from two years ago. The blockchain summit that was held just a couple of weeks ago, there was 45 men there and only four women. So... I mean, it's still very unbalanced, even just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So I think it's going to be unbalanced for a while. I'm going to put on my psychiatrist hat for a second. No, my psychologist hat. I don't know. <laughs> uh, women, historically, more risk averse. They don't like risk. See, you hear? They don't like risk. And so why would they want to use a currency or transfer their family wealth for their nest or whatever? Am I, I think I'm using hot words now. We're going to get in trouble. <laughs> We're going to get in trouble. But they, they're risk averse. Like, they don't want to try some new currency. They don't want to try some new thing. They want dollars what, for their fam. What is your, what is your, your uh, justification for calling women risk averse? They are, man. That's, I mean, that's that's why car insurance is less expensive for girls because they take less risks. Apparently, now when they hit twenty five, everything balances out. Apparently, they're just as dumb as boys are. 
<laughs> yeah, but in the great American household, isn't usually the women that are like budging the money while the men make the money? Sorry. Yes, it is. And that's the way it is in mine. That's the way it is in most. And is a woman uh, going to be comfortable um, leaving the household income up to some new currency? I don't think that they are. I think that's the main thing that doesn't draw women in. Is yeah. because it's not it's not a proven thing, and they're trying to take care of a family. That that's a biological thing. Now I'm putting my scientist biology hat on now. <laughs> I'd like to see I'd like to see the num like the the statistics for investment like financial investment community and what the women women to men ratio is there, and then see whether or not that ratio or the ratio of women to men in Bitcoin converges to that number as the population grows or whether or not it exceeds it or what, how, what it is relative to that number. Cause it's essentially the same idea right now. It's an investment. It's not, you're not like no one's using it as well, only a few, well, very few people are using it as their main source of transactions and, and wealth. Yeah. The point in the end is to have it as, you know, the basis for all transactions, but currently it's only for investment. And just, I'd like to see as the population of Bitcoin grows, whether or not that gets really close to the idea of what the, like, what the investment statistics are. Well, let's do a little experiment. Let's go around the room. We all have significant others. How do they respond when you talk about Bitcoin? Do they treat it like a football game on Sunday or their ears perk up and they're interested? Let's start with uh, D. How does, your, how does your lady friend react to Bitcoin when you talk to them? <laughs> she um I've talked about Bitcoin so much that I think that when I just say Bitcoin she kind of rolls her eyes. She's like, "Oh god. Not again." You think you just <laughs> overwhelmed her with information and then like she's just over it? I think so. I nerded out way too are you, hard on. Are you releasing all the information that you want to give out that you hold back from other people on her and so now she gets the overload? Absolutely. She's super saturated with Bitcoin information <laughs> that she doesn't even want. That she probably knows more than most, and she doesn't even realize it. I tried to give her Bitcoin, and she said, "I w- I don't want any." <laughs> I said, "No, I'm just gonna I'm gonna send you some Bitcoin so you can have it to pay for that thing that you need to pay for." And she goes, "Just s- send me money, please." <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. And I said, "Well, it is money." I, she I, said, I, um... "For the love of God." Yeah. So that's how our conversations go. And now I think she listens to the show out of obligation. Probably she's like, yeah. I think mine is, is kind of the same. Uh, I don't think they're interested in it yet. They're tuned out until it shows tangible evidence that it can support their family. I'm okay with that. But I, you know, I don't want to connect it with the gender association. Like they're just not interested because it's, I am. <laughs> I'm throwing it out there. I try not to think of it that way, but so Corey, I mean, is there any uh, light at the end of the tunnel for you there? Oh yeah, I, I lucked out. In the beginning, she was like, "Whatever, I don't care. Um, this is just another one of your investment schemes, or you know, some other some other thing that you're into right now." Because I have a ridiculous amount of hobbies. And she's like, "It'll blow over. I don't want to spend any money on it. Don't talk to me about it." And then as time goes on, she read more about it she learned more about it and then she i guess saw things in the community or something like that. I, I don't, i'm not exactly sure what changed her i'd have to ask her about it but now she's excited about it she thinks it 
out of all the things I do talk about, it will be a game changer in the future. And what? and she's open to investments. She's open to putting some of our you know some of our assets into Bitcoin so that we can hold you know, we can hold money there. Yeah. And and the idea of you know future proof remittance is really good for us considering we live in Brazil and if we want to transfer money, Bitcoin is probably the best way to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, are uh, you scared to use like a debit card in Brazil? Like do American well not just Americans we have, but we we have the only way we have done any type of transaction from US dollars to, to the real is through cash that we originally brought. We have not used any bank account that we have currently in America to transfer money into the Brazilian real, and we don't plan to, <laughs> yeah. or, or vice versa. We're not sending any of our reals back to U.S. dollars and putting money putting money there. We're keeping a completely separate. And if we do make that transfer, it's probably going to be through Bitcoin, just because it's the easiest way. Yeah, there's a new service down there. Um, I do believe it's called Abra. Abra, I've you heard of Abra? I have not. A B R A. It's a new app service, financial service thing. Uh, it's specifically for remittance, and I was hoping you knew about it. Um, maybe I've, you should uh, for future I've episodes. Um, I wrote it down. I will read about it. Yeah, our next episode is actually on apps, so that will yeah. tie in nicely. But yeah, look it up, Abra. What they do is it's remittance, and their I think goal is to have people use Bitcoin without them kn- knowing that they're using Bitcoin. So, you know, you can spin your Real, but in the background, there's a Bitcoin Wizard of Oz dude making it all happen. So, all right. People don't like um, Wizard of Oz dudes. Dude, the Wizard of Oz ended up being a good guy. Right? I mean, he started bad, but <laughs> he ended up being a good guy, right? Any James Franco... James Franco's the Wizard of Oz, right? Yes. Officially. How does that happen? How does he go from like a teenage sitcom show drama to the Wizard of Oz? Stoner. Uh, you have to be ridiculously, ridiculously good looking. <laughs> ridiculously good looking. My name's James Franco. Well, moving, moving on from that one. Moving on from that, <laughs> we got on a tangent there. Um, but yeah, Aaron is Aaron is definitely, or my wife is definitely into the idea of Bitcoin, and I'm lucky that she doesn't consider it one of my weird hobbies that she's not interested in, and only uh, with, amuses me talking about it and listens to me because she's my wife and she has to listen to me. All right. Um, so March eighth is synonymous around the world as International Women's Day, and as of 2015, which was just uh, a couple of months ago, we they have their own version, Bitcoin Women's Day, and they have major sponsorships, including BitPay and the Bitcoin Foundation, which was organized by our guest today, all by herself. And a little bit about her. She graduated in political science from Cornell University. She holds a master's degree in international economics. Uh, so Sarah spent 10 years overseas in Asia, Africa, Latin America, uh, you know, as a public policy analysis for the U.S. Department of uh, the State, Department of Defense, um, 
she's on Harvard's School of Public Health, Princeton University. So her accolades just they're a mile long. Uh, but without further ado, we have a, a conversation with Sarah Boone Martin herself. So let's get into that. Bitcoin Wonder Woman. So, uh, Sarah, could you tell me how Bitcoin was introduced to you and how quickly uh, did you accept it as something to put time and effort into understanding? Yeah, sure. Um, thanks so much for having me on your show. I'm so psyched to be here. Um, Thank you. My Bitcoin story actually starts in Haiti. I was working for the United States government after the earthquake in 2010, and everything had been wiped out in Haiti, um, not just the physical, but also the financial infrastructure. And it was just craziness. There was rioting and looting during the early days. Um, as you can imagine, like, getting money around was really dangerous and difficult. Um, but everybody had cell phones. So um, this is when we first really started experimenting with mobile money. And it was amazing. It was this faster, safer, and much easier way to send money to people. And not just within the country, but from outside, back to Port-au-Prince. Um, and when I got back from Haiti, I started to hear about Bitcoin. And I was like, oh, my God, this is even better. Um, and I just like went right down the rabbit hole from there. And ever since, I've just been like banging on people's doors and barging into offices and trying to just tell more and more people about Bitcoin. Um, and I just became fascinated overnight. And that's, that's really my Bitcoin story. So just it comes from a place of you trying to better people's lives and make processing just more efficient. Yeah, um, you know, I think people um, around the world have gotten really interested in mobile money and digital financial services, and Bitcoin is the next step in that process. Um, I see Bitcoin, you know, being um, a big piece of emerging markets and bringing banking um, to developing economies. There's a lot of discussion about whether or not Bitcoin can play a role in banking the unbanked. Um, and I see, I see a lot of potential there. And that's, that's kind of where I came from, especially in Haiti. It came out of an, an emergency situation, but now I see it more as a, a larger um, global development possibility. That's pretty cool. So it was, so it's kind of like a necessity to move the money around, and then mm -hmm. that's when you really saw, okay, this thing has real functionality, has real potential, and usability, and so mm -hmm. that's kind of how it got you interested. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Good deal. It's, uh, it kind of bites everybody in certain ways, <laughs> different ways. Mm -hmm. um, well, it's interesting you talk about rabbit holes, because... What I was about to ask you now is, what are the current projects and initiatives that you're working on in the Bitcoin space, and how did you fall down those rabbit holes? So, I am working with the Digital Currency Council right now, and we are a professional organization, which basically means that we are an organization of people, and our mandate is to introduce more people to Bitcoin and get more people into the industry. So we do that in three ways. 
um, we reached out to industry leaders and build partnerships with organizations like the American Bar Association, who you know are aware of digital currency but are just sort of dipping their toe into the space. I'm also on a lot of panels at conferences with people from like Citibank, who you know are also like you know looking around at digital currency but haven't you know formally taken the plunge. And so we are really working on developing more formal channels um, with those types of larger institutions. Hmm. And then secondly, um, I work with a lot of our members who are implementing real-life applications of Bitcoin and highlighting their work. So, for instance, um, I work with tax experts like Jake Benson from LibreTax or Elizabeth Flochet from BitPay and really try to showcase what they're doing, how Bitcoin is having a real-life impact, just like we were talking about, um, and getting the message out there that Bitcoin is, is not theoretical or, uh, or dangerous in any way, that it's, it's really helping people, it has real implications, um, and we really work together to distribute case studies or um, applications of their work. Um, and then the third thing I spend a lot of time on also is um, helping with public perceptions of Bitcoin. Um, I conduct original survey research about trust issues of Bitcoin, and we do these little um, sort of taking the pulse of mm-hmm. um, American perceptions of Bitcoin. We actually call them Pulse reports. I mean, not that clever, but they're very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and I encourage you to right check now? them out. Um, but we're, we're really interested in moving the industry forward and bringing it into the mainstream. And, you know, one thing that we're really concerned about is people's perceptions of Bitcoin and sort of overcoming our, our past problems with Mt. Gox and the Silk Road. So yeah, we're constantly right, surveying right. people and figuring out where we need to dedicate more efforts. Cool. Absolutely. I like that. So you you mentioned digital currency councils and uh, your expertise with mobile transactions. Do you see M-PESA as a case study for the reach and scope of digital currency? Um, M-PESA is a very unique uh, mobile service um, in its own right. It's uh, it's the paragon for digital financial services writ large. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the regulatory environment that it came out of. Um, it had a, a monopoly for a long time and there was pent up demand that they were servicing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been challenging for any mobile service provider to replicate M-Pesa anywhere, um, whether it's mm-hmm. Nigeria or India or um, uh, other countries within Africa. Um, so I think that the best thing that we can do within the Bitcoin industry is learn from M-Pesa, both its successes and its pitfalls, to figure out where we can plug in. It's it's certainly the model. It's what we should aspire to achieve. Um, but we should also recognize that it took a, a long time for them to get there. Um, it's a, a huge success right now, but it didn't 
become a success overnight. It took them years and years to build up to um, reaching 67% of the population. Yeah, it's a process. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, so admittedly, you initially captured our attention with uh, organizing the Bitcoin's Women Day, and I know it got a resounding response. I know everyone's pleased. We just wanted to talk about maybe the second annual, the third annual. Where, where do you see it going? Uh, you think maybe it'll be held in like a physical location on a much bigger scope? Um, I think that would be totally sweet if... Um, it became a bigger and bigger thing each year. We were just overwhelmed by the outpouring of support this year. This came um, as sort of a slapdash campaign where I just called up my buddies at Change Tip and BitPay and the Bitcoin Foundation and said, do you guys want to do this? And they were like, yeah. And um, so I, we were just thrilled by the outpouring from the community. And, you know, ever since, it's now become kind of a movement where we um, rally people at conferences and we do more like initiatives throughout the year. So I think it's entirely possible that um, next year it could be more of a physical location. Um, and we really intend to have the one day campaign, Bitcoin Wednesday, be an annual <laughs> event, um, something to celebrate. It was, it was just outstanding. We were just absolutely thrilled. Yeah, I think it's amazing. I think it's really cool to get more women into the Bitcoin space, because I know I see a lot of articles, I see a lot of things on media where it's all boys club, all dudes all the time. Um, but I, well, it kind of brings me right into our next, my next question that I have for you. And is that, do you think that the major skew and the, the women to men ratio is real or it's just a product of the actual population size of the amount of people that are tapped into the Bitcoin community? Um, I'll say two things. I guess, um, so as an example of how we're continuing Bitcoin Women's Day, um, my friend and colleague Tatiana Moroz uh, wanted to do some interviews with women panelists at the last Inside Bitcoin's conference in New York. And so when we were counting up how many women speakers there were, there were seven um, compared to, I think, about 75 or 80 men. So, I mean, that's, not necessarily um, an example that speaks to like every situation, but it is you know generally about right. At the same time, Bitcoin is still a small sector, and you know even with Bitcoin Women's Day, the whole point was to talk about Bitcoin to everybody, and we're really interested in getting more humans involved in Bitcoin. Um, we just want to talk to people, um, so we're really just trying to grow the industry. Men and women. Good. No specification. Just people. We need numbers. It's just the yep. aid, not the segregation of Bitcoin community, but just aiding in maybe one portion that's just not as heavy as the other. So I think it's a good movement, and I think it's exactly what the community needs. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, they're also like geographic things. I mean, I don't think that there are a ton of like Botswanans involved in, in Bitcoin, you know, or... Oh. Um, you know, I think we we just we could reach out to very specific communities, but generally, I just want more people in Bitcoin. Definitely, cool. Definitely. Uh, Sarah, uh, lastly, very simple, in ten words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? <laughs> Bitcoin is email for money. I think that's five. 
Short and sweet. So we're perfect. <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us today, Sarah. Uh, you giving us lots of in- insight as to, uh, I guess, like you put it, the pulse on on Bitcoin. And just on a personal note, I mean, we're soldiers for your cause. If you ever need help next year with any of your organizations, please reach out to us. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun, and um, I'm psyched to see your podcast take off. And uh, give me a ring whenever. Absolutely. Hope you guys like that. Uh, that was Sarah Martin. Um, you should definitely check out her profile on the website, uh, thebitcoinpodcast.com. Uh, leave some comments. Let us know what you thought. Um, I hope you liked that. Now we're gonna propose some ideas. We're gonna shoot the shiz a little bit back on women in Bitcoin. And Corey, I do believe you wanted to bring something up. Yeah. Um, so it's not so much of a uh, of an idea, but a uh, like a a proposal to get women into Bitcoin, but. It's more of like a, a, a thing about Bitcoin that's better for the entrance of women into Bitcoin. And that's something I read. Um, there's since there may be a, a skewed amount of women in Bitcoin or not, but unlike a lot of other financial organizations or investment things or other types of communities out in the world where it's difficult for women to get into because of some entrance barrier, there isn't an entrance barrier in in Bitcoin. It's very true. You have this, you have this open, open arms community of. I don't care who you are, your background, where you're from, what sex you are, what color you are, what language you speak. If you ask the question, "Have you heard about Bitcoin? Are you interested in Bitcoin?" Cool, join it. I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about it. Yeah. And there, there is no entrance barrier to getting into Bitcoin. For any type of social, economical, you know, systems, and so not yet. But I mean, you don't I, think that you're invariably going to get treated like an outsider if you're uh, even an, an attractive woman who's trying to get into Bitcoin. Maybe they won't. You know, trying to find a woman who is involved in some substantial way might be kind of hard. What do you mean by that? Um, you think like people won't take an attractive woman seriously? Yeah, I think maybe since it's an early adoption, there just might be fast and furious responses on Twitter, you know, just that social psychobabble chat. And maybe, you know, the the elitists won't take you serious. So maybe they're afraid of being treated like an outsider. Well, I mean, idiots get sifted out in the colander of, like, intelligence. So if any dude is not taking a woman seriously because she looks good, um, that dude's an idiot. So, but, um, I don't know. I think they'll be taken like seriously. I think just Just like like Corey said, if somebody comes up to me and they have a question, they want to know something about Bitcoin. I don't care what they are, who they are, any sort of demographic. I'm all about talking to them. I'm all about learning them up. So. And what do you think about like the segregation? Like Sarah Sarah Martin has the Community Women's Day, or I, I'm not sure if like men can go to that. I I would imagine it to be awkward. But do you think like segregation, like having you know a women celebration, men celebration? I'll go. I'll well, check it out. yeah, actually, she actually, I read some some blog some blogs and uh, some posts about Women's Day and her interviews with her, and she had mentioned that 
and she also alluded to it during the interview we had with her, is that she didn't see it. It was definitely a woman's event, but she was almost using, she was piggybacking on, this is, this is my interpretation, piggybacking the Bitcoin International Women's Day on top of National Women's Day as a vehicle to get people to talk about Bitcoin, regardless of what sex they were. And it, it was yeah. successful. And yeah, it, it, it helps women who are celebrating Women's Day to see International Bitcoin Women's Day. They're like, oh, what's this? It's celebrating women. I'm going to get into this because I like to celebrate women. As well as people who are into Bitcoin just talking about Bitcoin to anybody that they want to. And so it's just a vehicle to get the word out more and more and more. And I think that's part of the reason why she wanted to do it, along with, you know, celebrating women in Bitcoin because that they're that they deserve it. So yeah. and that's the same reason why, you know, we decided to do this episode. I mean, Bitcoin is an open source project. And if you're interested in Bitcoin, get involved. Join up. I um just want to piggyback off of what Corey said. His proposal for for women or I think it's funny he used the word proposal because chicks dig proposals. <laughs> yeah. You see what I did? Why'd you roll your eyes? You rolled your eyes, Martell. <laughs> you see what I did? Uh, I'm open to see you know the direction you take with your next statement. <laughs> <laughs> um, Reading on a bated breath. I really didn't have anything to say. I just okay. wanted to make that joke <laughs> because, I mean, I hope everyone saw what did I did. There. Did you write that down earlier, and you yeah. were just waiting for the for the window to bring it up, or did it come off the top of your head? I was. I wrote that down, and I've like I've got to squeeze this in the show. <laughs> as soon as I get the opportunity, I'm squeezing it in. Um, there is one victory though. Um, at conferences, uh, yeah, there's 40 percent more women in the speaker slots than men. That's good. And there's got to be some kind of psychology behind that. Maybe we should have found out. Maybe we challenge our listeners to find out. What did you say is it 40% more women on the panels? That, you know, have speaking engagements. Um, so if you go to a conference, there's always going to be an attractive list of speakers to engage the, the ongoers. <laughs> and, you know, you if you go to our sidebar, we have a, a list of events. So you can kind of check it out yourself. And there's a lot of women involved in the in the rankings yeah i think women help things go viral sometimes well maybe maybe because if let's assume that there is a giant skew in the bitcoin community of Mm -hmm. of nerdy geeky men maybe they're more willing to talk about something to a hot woman (laughs) than they are to another nerdy geeky man we're getting in danger. Or they're going to click on a button. Ah, I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's true. I'm saying, mate, this is all. This is all theoretical. So it, it can't be. It, I can't be hurt with this. We need science. <laughs> we need science to back this up. These theories. Um, do you think that it's possible that people will like to advertise hot women on things so that people like to click on their things? It's the only reason I go to Carl's Jr. <laughs> It's because of those commercials. Only reason. Or have a GoDaddy account. Yeah, I think I have the three GoDaddies, and I don't even know when I made them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're talking about... <laughs> we're getting a little off-topic. No, we're not. There is no off-topic for there this podcast. There is no off-topic at the Bitcoin podcast. Studios. <laughs> All right, so I guess 
in conclusion, does Bitcoin have a problem with women? No. Bitcoin can't have a problem with anything. It's not it's like an inanimate object. No, it does not. <laughs> if you I'm, are a I'm woman, you. you can be in Bitcoin. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, you think it's ever going to be uh, up to 4060 with women involvement? I think it'll be 70-30, women 70, dudes 30. Okay, are we talking about... When you say involvement, do you mean involvement in the companies that are that are trying to make Bitcoin better? Are we talking about people who just use the currency? Are we talking about people who are going to conferences and talking about Bitcoin? Yeah, what, we what, what level of involvement are we talking about? I'm talking about use. I'm talking about use. Use holding. 50-50. It'll be ubiquitous. So everyone oh, uses it. That's a 50-50. Such a lame percentage. That's a, to throw that's out a there. bold statement. Well, if if Bitcoin becomes ubiquitous, it's like saying there's a there's a prop there's a skew in the amount of women who use cash. You got a math out on us right there. Come on, man. Give Isn't that percentage. not right? You <laughs> are right. If everybody's 50, using 50. it, it's going to be fifty 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 fifty. That's weird. But and then it becomes whatever percentage of men to women ratio there is for whatever use like financial service that that's uh, being yes. financial investment people who own stores, people who are writing a blog and accepting payments, whatever those percentages are will be the same for Bitcoin because it's just the way people do transactions. I think, I think all, of the, not all of these statistics will converge onto the normal statistics as the Bitcoin community grows. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Well, Bitcoin lies at the heart of both finance and tech. And I think finance, you have just as much women as men, but maybe not so on the tech side. And maybe that's kind of where the, the numbers get skewed a little bit. I think I so. can agree with that. I think so. That's a good, that's a good theory. Well, Agreed. So to answer your question, Cello, uh, yes, it is easy for women to get into Bitcoin. It is encouraged. Uh, because it is something that is life altering in the best way, and just like women. Bam! I like it. I don't know. Some women are crazy. Well, <laughs> you totally just trounced on my conclusion. <laughs> All right, everybody, have a nice day, and make sure you visit the Twitter account at the BTC Podcast and uh, like us on Facebook at the Bitcoin Podcast. Download us on Twitter, Stitcher, man. Stitcher, Stitcher, iTunes, hit us up, leave a review if you like it, even if you hate it, we welcome the feedback. And ladies, ignore the naysayers. Yup, at Fergalotti, that's my Twitter for D. Uh, You guys have a nice day, and play the (laughs) outro. Out.